Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I am a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water it starts to just taste bland and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness. And they come in five different flavors. They're so good. Wild berry, acai grape, pineapple mango, lemon, and mandarin orange. My favorite is the wild berry because I just, I just love a berry. So if you're like me and you're drinking water all day, then try Splash Refresher. It's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you. Story time. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I'm a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water, it starts to just taste bland, and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. 
It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness. And they come in five different flavors. They're so good. Wild berry, acai grape, pineapple mango, lemon, and mandarin orange. My favorite is the wild berry because I just, I just love a berry. So if you're like me and you're drinking water all day, then try Splash Refresher. It's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you. Last October, I was in California for roughly 11 days after my brother's wedding in San Diego. I just wanted to drive around the state and visit California places that had captured my imagination over the years, and I loved driving almost as much as I loved cars. I don't necessarily believe in Sasquatch, but I would never discount someone else's experience, especially if I wasn't there, so off I went. Clipper Mills is in the foothills of the Sierra Nevadas about 70 miles northeast of Sacramento. Very near that dam was in danger of failing last year, pretty remote. So after Bodega Bay, I had to cross the state for my destination, arriving near Sacramento in time for a late dinner. So it's after dark when I set out on the final leg, very dark. It takes me a good while on all the twisty turning roads to find my way there. I wanted to get to the exact spot the person who posted the video parked that night. He wouldn't say in his video, so I poked around YouTube's comment sections in related videos and found out more or less about the spot. Around 11pm, I pulled my rented Camry well off the dark two-lane road to avoid any issues with the very sparse traffic. I saw no one whatsoever, so I sat in the darkened interior, listening, allowing my eyes to dark adapt for about 20 minutes. I heard nothing but assorted insects as I sat there, saw nothing move at all. Eventually, not wanting to activate the car's interior lighting, I crawled out of the driver's side window into the black night, armed with my cell, with no service, a handheld GPS to find my way back should I get lost in the dark, and a red flashlight I use with my telescope. I stood there right by that car window for a solid two minutes before I could screw up the courage to move away from my Camry. Eventually, I walked up the road, still not hearing anything but bugs. Suddenly, without conscious decision to do so, I veered right and headed up into the woods. My feet were crunching pine needles now, and to my mind, I sounded like Bigfoot stomping around. Self after about 20 minutes, I stopped to listen, and added to the insects, I heard this faint screeching sound far off in the blackness, and it didn't sound insect-like at all. It had more consciousness to it. Then, now also thoroughly dark adapted, my mind was whispering that it sounds like a person in distress or a large primate. I remained still. I heard something small scurrying around in the underbrush as well, followed a minute later by that same forlorn-sounding wail, but now closer time to return to the car. As I was walking back to the car, I heard this spooky sound every 20 to 30 seconds, and now it was coming from behind me and in front of me. It seemed to have a vocabulary of some sort to me, different vocalizations, some guttural, some high-pitched, and everywhere in between. My mind was having fun just messing with me. Now, I was never so happy to see a Camry in all my life. I started it up before my ass was in the seat, I think, 
and half expected to see scores of red eyeballs glowing at me in the headlights from the dark forest in front of me. Now spooked, in my mind telling me some homicidal axe-wielding lunatic was nipping at my heels. I went back the way I came at a much quicker pace than I had arrived. Out of nowhere, right in front of me, this black lab ran out of the woods on one side of the road and into the woods on the other. I barely missed crushing him. That scared the hell out of me right there. I slowed down a bit, and the thought of nearly mowing down an innocent mud overcame my mind. Some hour down the road towards Sacramento is when I noticed I had cell service again. I opened my Expedia app and found a nearby hotel for the night. Once safely enclosed in the hotel room, I began scouring the internet on my iPad and came to the conclusion that what I heard was a barred owl or a western screech owl. Can never be a hundred percent sure, I suppose. Very creepy though, and I'm done with wandering alone in the dark at night, I think. This took place in the summer of 2004, around July, in the Bristol Bay County. I am a commercial fisherman in Alaska and have been doing so since 1970. I'm an avid outdoorsman, hunter, and someone who just loves to get out there. Every year after fishing, I try to take a trip upriver with a friend or two to wind down and enjoy ourselves before we go home. This year, while I was on this trip into Alaska's interior, our main mission was to take pictures of bears and the surrounding wildlife to promote a new bear viewing and sports fishing business. While on our five-day trip, we spotted more than 40 bears. I took hundreds of pictures of these bears and their tracks, one of which was so big it put chills up my spine and gave me and my companions a very uneasy sense of insecurity. What set this track apart from the others was its enormous size and human-like shape. In one of the pictures that I took of this track, I placed my foot next to it on the ground. Keep in mind I'm wearing a size 13 boot. Whatever made this track was so heavy, heavier than the biggest bear, that it had pushed the gravel so far into the earth that it made us truly speculate what we were looking at. Other pictures that we took of the bear tracks were nowhere close to that indentation that this track had left. One of the most intriguing things about this track was that there were no visible claw marks. With all the other bear tracks, both of us felt extremely uneasy of our surroundings and had the feeling that we were being watched. For the rest of the day, we didn't have much to talk about, and that night felt uncomfortable at camp. We never heard or smelled anything out of the ordinary. To this day, I'm not really sure what we saw, and I'm not making any claims other than the words I have put forth. I've only heard of one other story from an old native man that lived by himself, a true hermit. He spoke of a tall creature that walked on two legs and watched him for 30 minutes from across the river, which his cabin overlooked approximately 200 feet away. When first sighted, he was motionless, staring straight at him. Then this creature, which he named Harry Man, turned and briskly walked away. Here's my dogman story. Let me know what you think. Well, let's see. I'll start by saying that I wasn't expecting anything unusual to happen. My partner, Steve, and I attended his friend's annual CB get-together at Grant County Park in Cretendon, Kentucky. It's about 45 minutes away from our home. 
It was the 1st of October, and the weather was pleasant, in the 70s. The park spans 54 acres, offering plenty of space to explore, including a playground area, a baseball diamond with lights, and a basketball court. Additionally, the picnic area features five shelter houses, a horse ring with a barn and stadium, and two multi-purpose buildings. I love nature, so the ample space appealed to me, especially when dealing with people. I brought a few joints with me to help with pain and keep me calm. The get-together lasted from noon until whenever, and many people showed up. I brought cupcakes with us, but to my chagrin, I later learned that Steve's friend was diabetic and sugar was a no-go. So, not the best first impression, but oh well, screw it. After grabbing something to eat, I decided to take a walk around since Steve knew most of the people there. Our picnic spot was up front, so I decided to explore the other side while smoking and taking in the surroundings. During my walk, I took pictures here and there with my phone, as I enjoy photography. I couldn't help but notice that I was being drawn to the woods behind the baseball diamond, and goosebumps covered my arms instantly. I felt a strong urge to go to that spot, even though I didn't sense any malevolence. It was just incredibly eerie to me that the pull was so strong, I knew something was there. I took out my phone and stopped walking, standing close to a tree that had caught my eye. I took a few pictures there and then started heading back to where everyone was, even though I still felt the strong urge to go to the area that had drawn me. Later that night, when we were back at home, I looked at the pictures I had taken and applied some grayscale effects to them because they looked awesome that way. I noticed that in one of the grayscale pictures of the tree, there was a distinct figure resembling a spirit. You could see it quite clearly. I showed it to Steve, and he thought it was cool but then asked about something by the bush. That's when I saw it, a pair of eyes staring at me from the area I had been drawn to. I got goosebumps immediately upon seeing it. I initially thought I had captured a hellhound in my photo, but when I finally showed my pictures to my friend Teresa, who was into UFOs, Bigfoot, and the paranormal, I knew she'd be interested. When I told her where I took the pictures, she informed me it wasn't a hellhound but a dogman. As a believer with an open mind who has seen and experienced many things, I thought it was incredibly cool. Teresa, on the other hand, didn't share my enthusiasm and warned me that I was lucky it didn't follow me home. Nevertheless, I didn't feel threatened by it or anything of the sort. Ready is a term that has shown up in many stories about close encounters of the third kind. I am very much on my guard for when this word shows up because I have had an encounter in which the word was spoken to me by a reptilian. In August 1959, my parents and I were traveling to Colorado Springs on a vacation. This was before my 11th birthday on August 19th. For some unknown reason, Dad decided that we would stop and visit Mount. Capulín, an extinct volcano in the northeast corner of New Mexico. Mom stayed in the tourist center while Dad and I climbed up the side of the volcano and down into the crater. Then we returned to the center. I had a desperate need to go to the bathroom. As I was walking through the center, I felt myself stop in mid-step. I felt my mind lift out of my body, and drop straight through the floor. How deep, I cannot imagine. 
My drop ended in an arched tunnel deep underground, the tunnel was lighted with orange lights. Standing in front of me was a smallish being or entity that I now know to identify as a reptilian. I would estimate its height at somewhere around 4 feet tall. It was wearing a grey color robe with long sleeves, and a hood. The most I could see of its face was intense, oversized dark eyes. In its left hand, number of fingers unclear, but definitely a thumb, it held something that we today would describe as an iPad or the like. In its right hand, it held some kind of stylus. It looked straight at me, and with mind-to-mind talk, said, testily, what are you doing here? We're not ready for you yet. Then my mind zoomed back up through the ground and back into my head, where I stood in the tourist center. Immediately, I double-timed it to the ladies' room, and got relief just in time. Since then I have lived, wondering when the we that this alien or entity represented, would be ready for me. I have had other encounters with UFO-related entities, like the MIB dressed in a black warrant officer uniform, driving a yellow Mini Cooper, on the military base near Keplavik, Iceland. He told me, go home and pointed towards the Southwest and North America. Maybe the aliens or entities have visited me, and I don't remember it. Thanks for letting me tell my story. I used to work about 30 miles away from where I live. One night, I had been stuck in heavy traffic, coming home. I take Lasix, so after a while, I really had to go to the bathroom. I kept telling myself that I was almost home and tried to hold it until I got there. By the time I got to my exit, I knew I wasn't going to make it to my house, so I pulled up to an area where Fidelity Investments is located and found an area that was isolated. This area is heavily wooded, with walking trails and a lot of game, but it is also in a very populated area. I pulled up a little side drive, off one of the main roads. That little drive is about 100 feet long, with only room for one car. It went up in elevation and had bushes on the right side, facing the main road. On the left side, there was a guardrail and a view of the valley below. The area up there is huge and isolated, with several buildings that are all spaced out. The place is dark at night because there are intermittent street lights up there. At night it's pretty deserted too. A few cars go through that area, though, because it's a shortcut people use to go from Taylor Mill over to 3 Liters Highway, where there are stores, restaurants, etc. When you're up there, you're above everything around this area. When I stopped, I got out of my car, waited a moment and looked around, to make sure there were no other cars. It was winter, so the bushes between where I was and the road below me didn't have many leaves on them. Because of that, you could see right through them. I was up on this little rise, about 20 or 30 feet above the drive, which was four lanes wide. To the left of me was a street light and more woods that went down another hill, to the main road. I went to the back of my car and did what I had to do. When I finished, I stood up and all at once, every hair on my body stood up. I knew I wasn't alone. I scanned the area in front of me and must have heard something behind me because I turned around and there were three deer standing there, all huddled up together, between my car and the guardrail. They weren't looking at me. They were looking across the road. 
I looked back over there and that was when I saw a figure standing between the bushes in front of it and the tree line behind it. It was huge. I stand 5 foot 5. Some of those bushes were about 6 feet tall, but they only came up to about the collarbone area on this thing. Due to the street light, to the right of it, about 20 feet away, I was able to get a pretty clean outline of this thing. It had a large dog-shaped head and pointed ears. I couldn't make out its neck, but I could make out massive shoulders. That's when it growled. It was a deep vibration I could feel in my chest. My body just took over at that point. I have to explain this part of it to you. I worked security for years, in California, in the music business. As a woman, I have to really work out and train to defend myself. I kicked box for 8 years and worked out every day. I also trained dogs. Mainly Anatolian Shepherds and German Shepherds. Sometimes, I have to establish who is the alpha and to do that, I get them down, hold them in place, grab them by their ear and growl until they submit. Then the training can start. So, when this thing growled at me, it was just pure instinct. I dropped down to a crouching position and growled, right back at it. When I did that, it stopped growling and started sniffing the air. Its snout went up and it turned its head slightly as it was sniffing. It then took a few steps forward. I was still crouched down, on all fours and moved forward, still growling at the thing. When I did that, it stopped. I stood up and kept staring right at it. I never broke eye contact with it. Then, it slowly stepped back into the tree line, until I couldn't make it out as clearly as before and started to move to the right of me. The deer were still behind me. They were so close I could have reached out and touched them. I waved my arms and told them to get out of there. When I did that, they went back over the guardrail and took off down the hill. That's when I jumped in my car and got out of there as fast as I could. I felt this thing was trying to circle behind me and I wasn't going to wait around for that. Do I think I scared it? No. But, I do think I confused it for a couple of minutes and that gave me time to move. I told my husband about what had happened up there, but I didn't tell him exactly what I saw. He would think I was nuts and to be honest, I thought I was a little crazy myself until I saw a picture of a dog man. I know there are other things in this world that can't be explained. I've seen them. But, this was beyond any of those things. Since this has happened, I can't take that shortcut through that area, anymore. My husband took me back over that way once, to see the area and I was begging him to get me out of there the whole time. I thought I was going to throw up. The wildlife up there has almost totally disappeared. I never see anything up on the hills anymore. The street I live on is only about one mile or so down the hill from this place and lately, we have seen coyotes on the streets like they have been chased out and pets here have started to go missing. We've also seen a large, black figure moving through our backyards down here. The dogs throughout the neighborhood go crazy regularly now, too. People were calling the cops when we saw that large, black figure jumping fences. I'm concerned that it has come down the hill, after eating everything up there. We lived on my grandfather's property in the early 1970s. He had about 75 acres in southern Ontario, Canada near French River Provincial Park. On the property was a swamp, 
We hunted bullfrogs in the summer. There was also a beaver meadow that gave us an eerie feeling as if we shouldn't be there. Many times there were no sounds in that area, almost a dead zone. Occasionally, we heard a knocking wood sound, but at the time it was not a thing that we knew about Bigfoot. We didn't know creatures would do that. My grandfather had an old sap shanty along the meadow that was in disrepair and it had started to shift and fall over. The weird feelings that we got when we were there were creepy. One night, five of my friends and I were taunting each other to ride our minibikes back to the beaver meadow in the dark. I was lucky enough not to need an excuse to participate as my headlight wasn't working. Then we noticed a small but bright light coming from the beaver meadow and it hovered about 40 feet off the ground. It didn't move until all of us were looking at it. It suddenly veered to the left, fast enough to leave a light streak, like a sparkler when you swing it around. Then it stopped. Then it would start again for a few seconds, then it would stop. This continued for about 10 minutes until it started to expand and change its shape. It was not saucer-shaped nor egg-shaped. It was more oblong. No lights were flashing and the whole craft gave off a bright white light. As we watched it seemed to grow ever so slightly, so slow that it took a few seconds for us to realize it was moving towards us. The area it had come up out of was about a quarter mile away from us. There was nothing in the field to impede our view. It was a cool night and no insects were making a sound. At about 50 or so meters from us, we saw it clearly. It was bright white with no windows or external markings. The closer it came the clearer we could see what looked like a single object emitting a light that seemed to create a circle directly under it. It never sped up or slowed down until it hovered directly over our small group. It stopped without any sound and stayed in place for what seemed to have been a minute or two. We could see it was around 10 meters above us. It didn't spin or hum. It just hovered. We didn't feel any movement of air, no heat, or any other sensation. But we were in awe at what we were witnessing. Then suddenly, it took off straight up and blended into a pinpoint of light among the sea of stars above us. We stood around for about an hour or so trying to figure out what we had just seen. Just before we were ready to leave for the night, we started to hear the wood knocking coming from the woods along the beaver meadow. Frankly, it scared us. We quickly got on our motorbikes and hauled our butts out of there. The next summer, three of us were near the beaver meadow one early evening. As the light started to fade, we again observed a very bright white object hovering near the woods. Suddenly, we heard four distinct and loud wood knocks, that were followed by a deep growling roar. We were frozen in shock. We looked in the direction of the woods and saw several lighted objects rising out of the woods, ascending above the trees, and quickly moving up into the darkening sky. Then we heard four more wood knocks and crashing sounds in the woods. We quickly got out of the area. That was the last time that I ever visited the beaver meadow. My grandfather sold the property not long after that and moved to Guelph, Ontario. I never found out why he sold the property but I do know that he did so quickly. A male employee, approximately 62 years old, working at a water treatment facility on the east side of Cincinnati, was conducting his nightly rounds. He needed to drive to a specific tank and open a valve. 
As he drove down a rural road dotted with houses, he noticed something standing in front of a garage on his right, illuminated by a bright overhead light. He put his truck in reverse and backed up to get a better look, eventually stopping at the foot of the driveway. The creature he saw was standing roughly where an SUV was parked on the right side. The image on the right reveals a light pole directly across from a basketball hoop. I was told that there was another light brightly illuminating the area near the garage door, but I couldn't see it from my vantage point. The driveway was approximately 50 feet long. These images were captured from inside a car, just as the witness would have seen them. For the privacy of the residents, who were not interviewed, I blurred out the house and license plate numbers. It makes me wonder if they have any idea about what lurks around their house at night. The witness described a bizarre creature that he estimated to be about the size of a man. It had brown leathery skin but had regular animal hair on the head, neck, and chest. He mentioned a canine head with a long muzzle and pointed ears on top. According to him, the legs were dog-like, but the arms appeared man-like. Interestingly, the creature stood in an unusual pose, similar to a yoga position called intense side stretch. The witness said that instead of forming a V-shape, the creature's legs formed more of a horseshoe shape, which made sense if they were canine-type legs. The creature's arms hung down in front, but the witness wasn't sure if they were touching the ground or its own foot. Strangely, the creature didn't move but kept one eye on the witness, maintaining a profile view. The witness reported a sort of sneer on the creature's face, as if it were saying, you see me, don't you? He said the overall feeling about this creature was that it was bad news. The witness and the creature stared at each other for about a minute, with the creature remaining in place, just looking at him. Eventually, the witness continued on his duty up the road. When he returned about eight minutes later, the creature had vanished. I was taken to the water tank, which employees must attend every morning at 4 a.m. As the crow flies, this tank is only about a hundred yards from where the sighting occurred. This is where the witness was heading at the time of the sighting. The employee goes there alone each morning at 4 a.m., drives up to the locked gate, opens it, then walks into the enclosure to open a valve on this tank. On the right side of the driveway is a dense hedge of trees and honeysuckle. On the other side of that hedge is a small field with an outbuilding and parking lot, followed by the road, and on the opposite side, the house where the sighting took place. To the right of the tower is mostly farmland. One can feel quite isolated in the dark at this tank. My friend pointed out that going into the gate to the tank isn't bad, but on the way back, your headlights are in your face, making it hard to see. For some time before the sighting, the witness had expressed his uneasiness about coming to this particular location. He always felt like something was watching him. It's worth noting that this witness is far from a coward and is actually known for being a bit of a badass. However, he had long felt uncomfortable about coming here in the dark. The locations of this tank, the water treatment facility, and the sighting are very close to a state park, a wildlife area, a lake, a large creek, and railroad tracks. Unfortunately, I haven't yet obtained permission from the witness for a direct interview, but I'm still holding out hope. This information comes from my friend, who works with the witness.
I encountered a reptilian hybrid several years ago while attending college in Oregon. This individual was extremely manipulative with words and dangerous with its deeds. Once I told him that he was a cold-blooded bastard after he humiliated a friend. He became very angry, staring at me with a hideous glare. He said I would suffer for my disrespect. That night while studying in my dorm room I was alarmed by a shadowy figure starting to manifest. I am sensitive to energy, so I immediately started to raise the vibration in the room. It quickly dissipated. That startled me, so I was on full alert. Later that night at approximately 2 am I awoke from what I thought was a dream, but alarmed by a grotesque reptilian form on top of my body attempting to choke me. It screeched and wailed like it was taking great delight in my fear and pain. I struggled and finally threw the fiend off me. As it cowered on the floor glaring at me I immediately knew it was the individual I had insulted earlier. It thrust itself at me. I reached for my pants on my desk chair to retrieve my pocket knife. It was choking me as I pulled the weapon from my pants pocket and toiled to open the blade. I was able to push it off, long enough to slash it across its left arm and upper chest. With a howl of rage, it ran to the wall and disappeared through it. I turned the light on to fully illuminate the room and noticed blood on the knife, bed sheets, and floor. I checked myself to make sure it wasn't my blood. I was awake the rest of the night and ready to strike if I needed to defend myself. I was exhausted in the morning but made my way to class. I noticed the individual coming out of his dorm room. He had a bandage on his left arm in the same spot where I had cut the reptilian. He noticed me and walked directly to me nose to nose. He glared at me with those evil reptilian eyes. Watch your back because this isn't over he murmured. I walked past him and made my way to class. Later that day, the dorm staff and housing administrators wanted to talk to me. While I talked to one of the dorm staff regarding this individual, the administrator blurted out, don't provoke him. It's important that you not cause trouble for him. The dorm staff was obviously terrified of this guy and behaved like his minions. This was startling. That same night I felt wary of a presence watching me. That sense of dread continued for several weeks until I moved off campus to avoid this hostile individual. However, I often noticed him and his acquaintances blatantly watching me when I was on campus and in town. I know that I wasn't the only person affected by this guy, but no one ever dared to discuss it. Many strange things happened as well, including the sudden death of two students in that same dorm. No details of those deaths were ever disclosed, just that they died because of medical reasons. I know others are out there who are aware of the reptilians and that there are ways that humanity can use to defend itself against them. I have been fortunate to meet several people who safeguarded themselves and family. These terrible beings are a scourge that we will continue to confront. Be safe, Mason. It doesn't matter where I'm employed as a park ranger. What does matter is my secret job, the thing that I do when I'm off the grid so to speak. A werewolf started appearing about 6 months ago, and I'm still not sure why. At first, we got calls from visitors saying they encountered grizzly bears, or something approximating one, deep in the forest. For the first few months, we got maybe a dozen calls. After that, 
things really started to ramp up, daily, or rather, nightly, sightings. Despite that, no one could really get a good look at the thing everyone assumed to be bear. Then my boss showed up, a man I rarely saw. He tossed a trank dart gun at me and told me to head into the woods. Whatever you do, don't kill the thing. Based off the information we've been able to gather, this is no damn bear. Something possibly. Supernatural. Does this have anything to do with Elijah's disappearance last month? Something killed Elijah, and we never found the body. James only gave a slight nod, something that could be denied later if asked. The less you know the better, Liam. Just take your truck and head into the woods. I'll mark the most recent sighting on your map, James said, crossing his arms and giving me a look that told me not to ask any more questions, but I couldn't help myself. Guess some weird government agency is involved in this if you're telling me not to kill it. You'd think the safety of the visitors would come first, I said, but James cut me off. Now, officially, that's none of our business, Liam. Just taking orders. You'd be wise to do the same. So I closed my mouth and got to work, loading my vehicle with some last-minute things I thought I might need, food or water or binoculars. Then I got in the truck and drove down the winding road. I decided to not get on the walkie because I didn't want to alert James. My plan was this, pick up Bill, my partner in crime more or less, at his usual patrolling location, then head off to where the location James marked on the map and see if we couldn't tag-team this thing. I caught Bill just sitting in his patrol truck reading an Agatha Christie novel and smoking a cigarette. I remember him telling me how relaxing he found it. Being out here, not a care in the world, tending to his biological needs, the cigarette, and the needs of his higher brain, the Agatha Christie novel. Hey, Bill, we got a situation James wants us to look into. Bill looked up from his novel, mildly irritated. What kind of situation? Gotta trank something. You know, that thing that everyone thinks is a bear but probably isn't. Why trank instead of kill? Yeah, I was wondering that, too. Anyway, hop in, good buddy. We got a long night ahead of us, and that's putting it really mildly. Bill got in and we drove off in the direction of the last sighting. I filled Bill in on what little I knew. Guess the thing that really concerns me is why now? Why a month after Elijah's death? Bill asked, thumbing through the book in his hands but not really reading it. That caught my attention, too. I don't know the reason. I just know that something fishy is going on. Then that's when we saw it. A large, hairy beast. Running on all fours, then randomly standing upright and roaring. Our headlights seemed to confuse the thing. Bill took out his pistol, rolled down the window and fired. Bill, what the f are you doing? No lethal force is allowed on this thing. We gotta use the trank gun. The thing, which upon closer inspection looked exactly like a werewolf, just roared and charged at the truck, grabbing its bottom and shaking it violently until Bill and I were completely disoriented. It then leapt into the trees. What the f is wrong with you? I said to Bill again once my head stopped spinning. I said no lethal weapons. Sorry, Liam. Just got rattled is all. Wasn't going to get turned to human paste because a pair of government-issue sunglasses told us not to us actual bullets. 
Bill replied, face flushed. Well, after that I began to drive again, keeping our eyes peeled for the werewolf. We heard howls coming from the infinite line of trees to our left. No matter how much we combed the woods, we didn't find anything. This went on for several nights, experiencing horrific sightings of the massive man-wolf. I went by myself after the first night because I didn't trust Bill not to fire bullets at the thing. James was ripping me a new ass because I couldn't track the damn thing down, at least, not keep it in my sights long enough to trank it. On the fourth night, I sat in my truck on the side of a wide road, scanning the eerily still line of palm trees. My ears pricked as I heard the soft crunch of twigs as tired crushed them. I peeked in the rear view mirror and saw a sleek black car parking behind me. A short woman with red hair came out of the Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait, is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com The car, using precise movements so that not one ounce of energy was wasted. Are you Liam? The woman asked, popping into my window like she was a cop about to give me a ticket. I heard the trees rustle behind her and began to perspire a little on my forehead. I'd tell you that you shouldn't be out this way, ma'am, since we've seen had a few bear sightings out this way, but, I started. I don't mean to be blunt, but I outrank park rangers. Again, not trying to be a jerk, just stating a fact. The woman seemed fairly young, and her smile sent a shiver down my spine because it was so emotionless. She explained to me what was going on. She worked for a government agency, one I hadn't heard before, and they had been working on a serum to reverse the transformation of the werewolf. They were hoping I could sedate the thing before it did any real damage or chose to move on to an even broader wilderness. There has been a reason why this werewolf has been so good at evading you, and I'm not sure it has anything to do with it having preternatural abilities, the woman said. She finally introduced herself as Sarah Perkins. Here, take this Trank gun. It comes with a special tranquilizer that will not only sedate the werewolf, but also hopefully reverses transformation. It hasn't been tested on his kind, since we believe he is the only one of his kind that exists, 
Sarah said and handed me a much larger gun than I had, which had a small tube filled with yellow liquid fitted onto the top. She had one for herself too. We hurried into the woods, following the howls until I felt like we were dangerously close. Sarah scanned the environment, looking more vigilant than nervous. Okay, maybe a little nervous, but she hit it remarkably well. As for me, I was terrified. Not afraid to admit that since I didn't have special government training to deal with a friggin' werewolf. The trees all around us began to rustle, and before I could really get my bearings, the massive hairy beast shot from the top of one of the trees and landed on the ground. My hands shook. I tried to steady my gun, except my nerves wouldn't let me. Steady, I said. Steady. But I just couldn't calm my shaking hands. The beast slowly moved closer on all fours, fierce yellow eyes fixed on me. A pound of drool must have escaped from its jaws, hanging from them in thick, disgusting streams that made me want to vomit. It swiped the air with massive claws, growling. Just as I thought I was a goner, I heard the sound of a whisper whizzing by at about a hundred miles an hour, landing in the beast's hairy, bulging neck. Without thinking, I fired my own gun. The dart landed in the thing's abdomen. It growled weakly and collapsed onto the ground. Sarah didn't waste any time. She ran toward the thing and placed a small chip deep into the fur of its right arm. Tracking device, she said as its breathing slowed. The trank or transformation dart did what she claimed, the beast began to shrink. The fur started to go back into the skin. It all happened so quickly that at first I didn't believe what I was seeing. I went over to the man, who shivered and rubbed his arms. The transformation had taken a toll on him. It took me a minute, but I recognized the man. Elijah, I said under my breath. You're alive. How is this even possible? Well, congratulations, Sarah, a man's voice said from behind. You got to subject X first. You won the bet. I turned around. Bill. Bill, what is going on? I asked, tone clearly frazzled. Sarah jumped in. We work at the same agency. We had a little bet going. Whoever got to the werewolf first could do with it as it pleased. Kill it, or trank it and but a tracking device on it. Of course, my way aligned with the agencies. Bill here is a renegade, wants to eliminate everything in sight. Bill gave a soft chuckle. Well, guess I got what I want either way, Bill said, grinning and patting me on the back as he walked past me. He knelt in front of Elijah, and seemed to pluck one of the remaining werewolf hairs from one of its forearms and put it in a small glass vial. Then Sarah and Bill seemed to be talking in code, and I couldn't at all parse what they were saying. Bill came up to me afterward. Okay, Liam. We better get out of here before the trank dart wears off. Looks like the serum's effects were only temporary. It'll completely change back into werewolf form in less than 15 minutes. Part of the transformation has already begun. The sedative will wear off in about 10 after that. But don't worry, we can track the thing with the device Sarah put on it. So we all left. Sarah in her sleek government vehicle, and Bill and I in our park ranger truck. You can't tell James that I work for a government agency that hunts a werewolf, he said. Now, I wanted to kill the thing, wipe it off the map, but Sarah had other plans. 
I have to respect the bet. I lost. She won. Which means that Elijah will be roaming the woods, and we have to track him every night, study him. After a while, once the agency has all the information it needs, it will either give a kill order, and I can deliver a bullet to the thing's brain, or it will come up with a serum that will permanently erase Elijah's werewolf tendencies. So, with Bill's help, I track Elijah every night, using regular trank darts to sedate him. We take hair and skin samples, put everything into stainless steel containers that get shipped back to a secret government lab. They are working on a serum just like Bill said, one which will be permanent. I've learned to accept Bill's new identity. Aspiring werewolf killer. I'll deal with it when the time comes. I think I have additional problems to the fate of Elijah because I've gone to the workman's cabin, seeing Bill with those strange yellow eyes more than once. I'm not sure if he is a full-fledged werewolf, because he's been with me every night, and I just see him in his human form, except sometimes as we are driving along, I'll see his eyes turn yellow under the deep shadows cast by the moon. Something is clearly different. Did the sample he took from Elijah that night have something to do with it? I feel trapped in this situation. Bill seems something else besides human, and I can't abandon my post without making him suspicious. I also don't want to abandon my post because I feel like I have a duty to the visitors here to keep this werewolf at bay. And I do agree with Sarah, given the circumstances, I don't feel comfortable ending the life of a fellow park ranger. Bill's a relative newcomer, and I worked with Elijah for years before he disappeared. I don't want to give up on a fellow ranger. To be continued. My name is Tommy, and I've always been drawn to the mysterious and the unexplained. One summer, when I was just 14, my life took a turn I could never have anticipated. It all began with a camping trip to Browning's Campground, a serene retreat in the heart of Versailles, Indiana. My family and friends had joined me for what should have been an ordinary adventure, but little did I know that our lives would be forever changed by the enigmatic creatures we would encounter that night. The campfire crackled, casting its warm, flickering light across our faces as we sat huddled around it. It was a typical evening, with laughter and stories filling the air. But as the night wore on, I couldn't help but feel an unsettling sense of unease. It was as though something in the woods was watching us, waiting to reveal itself. My gaze wandered toward the forest's edge, and what I saw sent shivers down my spine. Two creatures, unlike anything I had ever seen, stood there in the shadows. Their fiery red eyes, glowing with an eerie intensity, locked onto our group. They were colossal, with the body of a man but the head of a wolf, and their fur was as black as the night itself. I was the first to notice them, and I couldn't believe my eyes. I stammered, trying to alert my companions, who turned to see the unearthly beings before them. We watched in terrified awe as the creatures slowly retreated into the darkness, vanishing like specters. The memory of their red eyes would haunt my dreams for years to come. Over the next decade, the mystery of Browning's campground continued to unravel. Two of my cousins, not much older than I was when I first encountered the dogmen, had their own chilling experience. They described seeing a creature, similar to what I had witnessed, but with a different shade of fur, a menacing gray. 
The years passed, and more accounts of these elusive beings began to surface. Last summer, during a lively campground party, a group of revelers claimed to have seen one of these creatures lurking near their campsite. It was tall, dark, and just as menacing as the ones my cousins and I had witnessed. The red eyes, a common thread in these accounts, seemed to hold an ancient and eerie wisdom that defied explanation. As the reports continued to pile up, our small town couldn't ignore the mounting evidence and the accounts of its residents. The term dog man began to circulate, a moniker for these enigmatic beings that had become an intrinsic part of the folklore of Versailles, Indiana. For my family, Browning's campground had been a cherished summer tradition, but it had also become a place of mystery and unease. Every visit held the potential for another encounter with the dogmen, and while some might dismiss our stories as mere campfire tales, those fiery red eyes were etched into our memories, a reminder that there are mysteries in this world that defy explanation and continue to haunt us to this day. The story takes place in Pleasant Hills, Pennsylvania, Allegheny County, south of Pittsburgh. I grew up there and had a friend who lived about a mile and a half away from me. We didn't drive back then due to poor decision making so we had to walk everywhere. I'd walk down past the local borough building, cut up through the woods, and come out on the other side. It was a shortcut to bypass the huge hills we'd have to walk up. The beginning of the hill started in Pleasant Kingdom, a playground for kids that sits back off the road in the woods with tennis courts, basketball, and typical ground stuff. We used to sled ride there because the hill was pretty massive on the backside. That hill led to the opening of our shortcut. We were walking to my house one night and we were almost clear of the woods. It was pitch black but we could see the playground lights at the bottom about 100 yards away when we heard a disgusting sound to our right. It sounded like something was eating something else and making crazy wild animal noises but with a human undertone. I could hear the tree limbs shaking but could not see anything. We bolted the last 100 yards downhill to the bottom and scratched our heads. We had no idea what it could have been but thought it might have been a bear. We weren't into Bigfoot back then so it never crossed our minds. The only light was coming from the parking lot lights. It was me and my friend Steve and Jose. Jose was good at fist fighting, and we were basically afraid of nothing especially when we were together. We were just about to turn the corner to walk the path behind the borough building to my street. For whatever reason we all looked over our shoulders. Steve said, WTF is that? We all saw it walk across the pavilion upright from left to right and hide behind a tree. It was about 100 yards approximately and up the hill in the dark, but the light from the parking lot illuminated it enough that we could all see a tall grey colored animal or man walk across the pavilion. Its head was level with a pavilion roof, easily 8 feet tall. We stood and watched, and then it simply peeked out from behind the tree as if to get its eyes on all of us. At that moment we all turned and ran as fast as we could to my house. We stopped short and looked at each other and asked why are we running. It's like it telepathically jumped into all of our minds and said, boo, and made 38-year-old men turn and run like babies without even knowing what we had just seen. None of us knew what it was but it bothered us for weeks until one day Steve said I think I know what we saw and said, Bigfoot. 
It clicked immediately. I knew right there that I wasn't crazy and that we had definitely seen and heard a Sasquatch. I would tell people my family, and friends, and nobody believed us. But it affected me enough that I would join the Pennsylvania Bigfoot Society I would go on investigations to interview witnesses of reports, take pictures, and walk the sites. I have a lot of pictures still from some of the interviews I was on. I came to realize that Pleasant Hills is built on abandoned coal mines and to find out that they travel the mines to stay out of sight. Pleasant Hills is not a rural area. There are houses and neighborhoods everywhere. But there are large woods between the three towns that separate each other. This is the main reason people had a hard time believing my story. I know what we saw. Steve and I are both still very much into Sasquatch. I need to just get this out. I grew up surfing in Southern California. In the summer of 1991, me and my friend were in the water for 30 minutes and he told me he touched something and felt sick. He went back to the beach. Two days later he said a doctor told him he had sickle cell anemia. Okay. The last we really talked about it, we were 15 years old. But I still remember he said, I touched something. Six years later I was in the water and something felt weird about the whole day. Then it happened. The pain started with the slightest touch, on the inside of my forearm, so bad my hearing and sight were interconnecting and started a confusion beyond any control. All of a sudden a change in my body began. Cold freezing muscles and nerves from my toes up my legs to my lower back. The pain worsened and hallucinations of an iceberg, bales of hay, pine trees, and even a little action figure that seemed so real it almost was like trying to be a hero. Then the creature I touched beneath me almost seemed to say this is my planet and just swam teasingly below me. A voice with the message, we are thousands of years old. It rang right through all this, almost hypnotic like with no remorse. I then got a vision of a female, mermaid-like creature. Just take it, I said to myself nothing even close to this has ever happened to you. The speed at which it was happening was unbelievably fast and precise. I thought of fainting or dying which seemed possible but I could still move and swim which made it feel like it was like a test of will. Then a sudden change of my brain and my spine felt as if it was totally and completely connected and moving together. All of a sudden I felt it, what I thought was causing all this trauma. First, it spun a web between my spine and skin on the very lower back as I tried to stretch it out it started another above but slower and with a different pattern that almost felt like it protected the first one. This put me into an almost hypnotic state as I felt it crawl up into my neck into the front right side of my brain and sit. It wiggled its legs and body then turned to the right. The only thing I could think at that point was if I was crazy I might have killed myself. All this is still within 15 minutes. Then my stomach began to feel numb and cold with my intestines slowly numbing. My right hip socket and femur started to act up. I could feel the whole thing precisely as it was evolving. Three little squares made an appearance to me, each like a growth, and to the exact make of my femur the three squares attached to my hip socket. This caused another hallucination a doll action figure that had cloth clothing and detachable limbs. All are still within a 30 minute time limit. It stopped and I got out of the water. 
Later I learned that the clothed action figure was over 200 miles away as if the the whole experience was that large and planned out. When I thought it was over or fading away it told me differently. This is as real as it gets. Please let me know if you have any research on this. It happened many years ago to me and I'm reliving it as I am becoming more normal. I have not contacted anyone because of my hypnotic state. I believe that was touched and communicated with a mermaid. This took place on November 15, 2012. I'm about to relay a story that few of you will believe. No, I'm not on drugs, I'm not kidding at all, not one bit. If you disbelieve my eyes, do me a favor and keep it to yourself. I know what we saw. Has anyone ever seen a military craft like this? In the dome is a swivel seat in which I saw, who I believe was, a US Marine pilot in a green pressure suit with no helmet. It sounded like a diesel train. Just before I saw it, there was a series of twister-like rotational updrafts off in the distance. It was capable of changing the bearing without changing the direction it faced. It can travel very low to the ground. When I saw it, it was about 200 feet in the air. The pilot noticed me, flew within one eight mile close to me, nearly hovering in one spot at one point, and then headed off into the commercial flight lines with an incredible capacity for acceleration and was easily capable of speeds approaching what I consider to be a thousand miles an hour. I was in Vancouver, Washington and the location I was at had a reasonably decent view of the flight lines that go to the coast whereupon I normally watch the planes alter course and head north to Canada, or south to California. It reached the point of breaking south within 30 seconds and then simply disappeared into the night. It's definitely a UFO to me but having seen the pilot it was unmistakably a decorated military pilot at the helm. The height of the fuselage was about 10 feet tall, 15 feet wide at the nose and 40 feet wide at the widest point through the stern. The pilot was about 30 years old, had dark hair, and a military haircut, sitting in a pivot-style chair. The craft flew such that the stern was angled up from the elevation of the nose. I can't recall if I saw the bottom of the craft but I remember wondering where the diesel train sound was coming from and then I saw this in the air. I do not recall specifically any lights on the bottom of the craft, but due to the angle of the craft, the low proximity to the ground, and the distance away from me, I could not even see the bottom of the craft. I had someone with me at the time and she saw this craft as well. The surface of the craft had a look of corrugated metal which would be used on an overhang for a backyard deck along the sides of the craft, and a flat matte grey upper surface. The dome provided a 360 view of the surroundings. It was positively the most advanced aircraft I have ever laid eyes upon. I began experiencing anxiety, fatigue, insomnia, periodic headaches, unexplained cuts, scars, rashes, and bruises. I began having strange confusing flashes of memory. At first, they were just a terrifying jumble of fragmented images, sounds, and sensations. After a few years of thinking I was starting to crack up, they eventually started to come together and become more distinct, and orderly. At this point, I have a pretty clear memory of what happened. It usually happens around 2 a.m. or so. 
If I'm asleep, I wake up in a panic, unable to move. All my hair stands on end, and I feel an odd sensation. Almost like an electrical charge flowing through me. It's very difficult to breathe. A blinding light shines in through the windows and tall thin figures are standing all around me. I start hearing their thoughts in my head. Usually something like don't be afraid, or there will be less discomfort if you stop trying to resist. I raise off my bed, float outside, and raise up into the light. Here is where things vary a bit. Sometimes they just do some kind of scan. Other times they perform surgical procedures. I can remember having my head clamped in place, and needles or other instruments inserted into my skull, ears, or up my nose. Other times into my forearms, or abdomen. At some point, I lose consciousness and find myself back in my bed. I know there was at least once that they came when I was awake. It happened three years ago in mid-September. I couldn't sleep so I was watching Netflix on my computer. Next thing I know I'm waking up the next morning. I remember thinking how odd it was that I didn't remember going to bed. I made my way down the stairs where I noticed the door was open. I found my rifle lying on the front step next to three ejected rounds. All three still intact, except that their primers had been struck. So far I have not regained the memory of what happened that night. I'm not 100% sure this is related, but I just had to re-shingle my roof. I only put the new asphalt shingles on about three years ago, and they already started curling up and crumbling. They appeared to be scorched. I never write but I have been reading so many stories on here so I figure I would tell one of my own. Background, I live in a small town but in the popular fancy neighborhood that everyone made sure to hit up on Halloween night because of full-size candy bars. My family lives on a dead end and in the deepest part of this small neighborhood, which contains my aunt's house, sisters, and mine. My house was the oldest house as well as the first house to be built before the whole neighborhood. Before it was all woods as far as I know. My aunt is very creative and artistic so she turned this trail in her backyard to a secret garden it was full of old angel statues, old bird fountain a bench and just a lot of woods. Me and my cousins always played in these woods when we were kids until we heard the old man. Note by the garden there was a super old shed made of tin and it was there before my house I'm guessing? Also about 100 feet away a slab of old busted concrete the size of another shed covered by a ton of leaves and dirt. Just thought I would add that, the beginning I was around 8 or 9 years old and after school I wanted to go play at my cousin's house like I usually did. So I walked up to the driveway and my older cousin, male, 12, was playing with a basketball, and stopped to ask me if I have heard the old man. I was obviously confused and asked what he was talking about. He then pointed at the secret garden and said listen. So we went quiet and in that instance all you heard was moaning like someone was in pain. After hearing it for over 5 minutes I ran home as it never stopped. My cousin informed my aunt about the noises we were hearing and she just thought it was nothing and brushed it off since we were young and always played pretend in the woods. But the noise never stopped, it would grow louder or be very quiet, but never stopped. The next day my older cousin, male, 12, had a friend that lived in the next yard over, male, 
that had a unique name, he decided to cut through the woods as he usually did to get to my cousin's house, only to be stopped. He heard his name being called through the woods that went further back. And he was there for a few minutes I'm guessing confused. My aunt noticed him, the kitchen window had a view of the garden, walking out and immediately dropped everything yelling and running to him checking and making sure he was unharmed and okay. Which freaked us out because she didn't believe us about the old man. The neighbor then said someone was calling for him in the woods. Groaning his name loud. He ended up getting homeschooled even though his dad was a public school teacher. And he stopped coming over. At my house, our woods are connected, and in my backyard we have a huge shop my dad and his friend worked out of. My dad's friend was alone working in a shop with all the shop doors open and begin to hear the moaning noise even over the machine equipment. So he walked down the hill to check out the noise and it stopped. He went back to work, heard the noise again and this repeated several times before he just left. Soon after this my aunt freaked out and called the police. The police heard the noise, all I remember is them saying is we didn't find a body or anything else after hours of searching our woods. This wouldn't be the first time the police were called either. At some point the groaning stopped, maybe a week or two. When it started back my aunt had called the police again to come and double check. Again they found nothing. My aunt was most likely terrified and try not to show it. She went around surrounded areas, nearby logging company, other houses a mile away from the woods to try and get answers if they have heard it or if they are making the noises. Then my aunt started holding prayer groups with women from her church to come and pray over her home. This happened a few times. I remember seeing around nine women in a circle praying and holding hands over the yard for minutes. The moaning stopped, and we never played in the secret garden again. I will never know the truth to what we heard. Hello, it's my first time writing something like this. I can't find any information regarding what my family is experiencing, but it's weird and happening more often. I live with my girlfriend and our three kids. Our house has two floors, the second floor has the rooms, and the first floor consists of the living room, bathroom, kitchen, and a small hall located behind our living room. Now, what is happening is that I'm a firefighter, which means I work in shifts, and I have to work at night. When I'm at home, everything is calm. However, once in a while, we hear loud noises, like something beating on an object, or bags falling seemingly out of nowhere. It's rare but does happen. On the first floor, both my girlfriend and I feel a very strong negative presence, particularly from the bathroom and the hallway. I usually close the bathroom door, which helps me feel at ease. Sometimes, I feel like someone is watching my back, especially at night when everyone is asleep. The feeling is so strong that I often turn off the TV and go upstairs. Now, the worst part is that most of the activity occurs at night when I'm at work. My girlfriend and my kids feel really scared to go to the bathroom or the first floor. They say that they feel watched and have a sense of dread. My girlfriend and I avoid discussing these things with the kids around, so it's strange that they seem to see the same things. My girlfriend says that sometimes when she turns around, she sees in the hallway or in the dark a small, faceless, black head that is always watching her. 
She even mentioned seeing a reflection of it when the TV turned off suddenly. My older child has also been saying that he sees a black head in the corners, watching him. He has never heard us talking about it. One night, all three of them woke up with nightmares, and they all screamed at the same time, saying that they saw a big shadow in the middle of their room. My girlfriend and I woke up with their screams, turned on the lights, but saw nothing. They managed to sleep with our presence, but the middle one is so scared that he pees in his bed instead of going to the bathroom at night. Last night, while I was at work and upon returning home, my girlfriend told me that she was in our bed with our older child, and out of nowhere, she saw a small shadow jump onto the older kid's bed. Our older child saw it too and said to her, See, I told you there was a shadow watching us. That's when she had chills. She also mentioned that during the night, they heard loud knocking downstairs. At 3 a.m., our younger kid screamed in panic, and she saw a black, faceless head and some hands in the corner of the stairs leading downstairs. At 7 a.m., she screamed again, saying that the black, shadowy head was now on top of her, watching, and that the face was a she. My girlfriend mentioned that the head is really common, but it only watches them and disappears once spotted. What could it be? What can I do? Thanks. Okay, so just to preface this. This was on Friday the 27th and my friend and I had smoked cannabis before going out to eat and catch a movie. So my friend and I are in line at BK and trying to decide if we want to split a meal or get separate meals. My friend orders her food and when I get to order I get straight as asked if we smoked weed? My first thought and question was is it that noticeable? Now I could barely hear this guy because he was speaking low but was asking about a certain strain that I could really care less about. But it gets to the point where he tells me how much I could get for a certain price point. Which I said I would keep in mind. Now my friend and so didn't spray any perfume or body spray, we normally do but completely forgot too. I get to the table my friend picked out and I start telling her about what just happened. Not even a minute after I sit down does this guy come over and pass me a folded up napkin of this weed to sample. Now my friend and I are just shocked and talking about this. I ended up putting the napkin in my bra because it was the only place I could. I had no pockets. This guy ends up coming to our table 3 to 4 more times within the span of 15 to 20 minutes. When I went up to get my food before these other encounters occurred, this guy had let me know that he got off at 7.30pm and asked if we wanted to hang out. I straight up said that my friend and I were on a date and were going to a movie straight after this. After I got my food this guy stopped at our table to ask what movies were playing, what his name was, I don't remember what he said, just that it has something to do with California State Bird, and the other times I can't remember why he came over. He just spoke to me and not my friend and I could tell this guy was trying to get some information on me. Now I am a very private person and also a very cautious person. I could tell this guy was trying something and I acted dumb, even though I knew what was going on. My friend had noticed that after the last time he came over that this guy was staring at me any time he passed by. I could tell he was staring at me because of the windows that made a reflection because my back was to him. It got a point where I told my friend we need to hurry because this is making me uncomfortable. 
So we finished quickly and left. Now my friend and I did originally go to the movie theater but decided to watch the movie at home because of how busy it was. When we decided to watch the movie at my place we tried to hurry and leave because of the time and that guy was going to be getting off any minute. I don't think I will be going to BK anytime soon because my hair color is blue. It's very noticeable and not many people have that color in my town, plus it's a smallish town. I hope to never meet this guy again and if I do, I may have to have a backbone especially if he acts like he did this time. Not a very interesting story and also trying to tell this days later doesn't help. But that's my creepy encounter. I've been getting sleep paralysis since a kid but the past two years, especially the past few months, have been crazy. I don't sleep for for days sometimes. I'm so tired all the time cause I can't sleep peacefully. I've tried melatonin, night lights, even giving my room and house a cleanse. I've seen many things and voices when having sleep paralysis, and also have had these things physically touch me, aggressively. I wake up with fear, panic and goosebumps all over my body every time. I'll list the things I've seen while having these episodes, if that's what they even are, baby on the edge of my bed. A man with an all-white tight suit, head to toe, including fitted mask with a red patch on his mask on the right side. A girl or woman with black hair, who covers her face with it and wears a grungy type gown or dress. She grabbed me by my wrist and left a bruise, a black figure hovering over me, while seeing flashes of white light. Just two weeks ago I was sleeping in bed, face down on my stomach. I don't sleep on my back, and I felt like someone got into bed with me and I genuinely just thought it was my sister-in-law since we lived together. I remember looking over and this woman was sitting next to me with black hair and white gown. She had her back towards me while she sat on my bed by my feet. That's when I felt I couldn't move. It felt like someone was on my back pinning me down while they held my wrist down to my bed. I started hearing this woman whispering in my right ear but couldn't understand what she was saying. Then I was out of it and again that feeling of panic or fear and goosebumps took over my whole body. It's to the point it's affecting my mental and physical health. I'd love to get help but where do you get help for something like this? It's also to the point that it happens even when I just try to take a quick little nap, I can't rest and I feel myself getting more drained every day. I don't know if I'll get answers here but it feels nice being able to talk about it to someone at least.